Hey everybody, it's another episode of the Nobody Talks Shidduchim Podcast. I'm your host, IJ, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. And I'm here with our other host, Avery. Avery. All right, maybe Avery's not here today. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I wanted to introduce our guest for episode 73, A History on Shidduch Dating and the Great Singles Migration. We're joined today by Cousin Malcolm. Cousin Malcolm, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. This episode, we are going to discuss and indulge in a history on shidduch dating and something I like to call the great singles migration. So without further ado, let's get to the discussion. We're sitting down today and in this episode, we're going to discuss the history of shidduch dating, the great singles migration and how certain places became the singles go-to place to live. Like there, there are places today that you meet people, you meet Aunt, Aunt Schmendy and Uncle Schmendrick, and they're like, why don't you go, why don't you move over there to the single, to the single farm? So that's where people go. I want to discuss what they're like, what they have to offer, a little bit of our own backgrounds, why we chose to go there, why we chose not to go there. I think we have some really good diversity here, dif- different backgrounds here that kind of relate to those communities. And we're also going to discuss, we have Cousin Malcolm here, who's going, we're going to discuss a brief history and a crash course on the history of shidduch dating, where it began, what, what it, how did it start, how we got into, and then bring it full circle. And like, how did we get here? How did we get from here to where we were? So without further ado, Avery, History on Shaduchim. What what comes mm. to mind? Tell me, tell me, cousin, cousin mm. Avery. Yeah. So many pagans and Christians died for this. <laughs> Wait, wrong religion. Sorry, <laughs> Malcolm. Yeah, obviously, you've done all the research on the history of Shaduchim. So, if you could take us back to the maybe the first idea or mention in the Torah, a time it's mentioned in the Torah. I, I'm curious to learn. Was it was there a time that was mentioned by Adam and Chava in terms of like relationships? Because that was our first relationship. That was the first time. You, you know, want to just go happen. to yeah, the no, earliest, going to the earliest history. history of well, Avery, it takes Hashem, it goes to Jewish dating. Hashem wanted a partner. I don't know if that's even. A, yeah, that's what he. That's how it first started. I do. I do. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Adam and Chava because there is actually there's a few sources in the Torah and in the Gemara where they talk about couples and how they were formed. So obviously the first couple was Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, for yeah. some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. And so it says that when God created Chava, he <laughs> built her. And so God was essentially the first Shadchan. And so the Gemara talks about the fact- Make sure the liberals don't hear that part of the building. <laughs> they don't want to know. Why wouldn't they want to know, Avery? Uh, well, they don't want to know that men built women. <laughs> it's enough that we hate them, pillage them. Funny. To know that we actually built them, that's a lot. I didn't know. I didn't even know that. I yeah. just learned something right now. Uh, men built women. 
women built children. Mm. Who built you exactly? <laughs> Who built the Averys? The slaves. You come from a, uh, the, the old town, Avritha. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a great town right next in, to, right in next Germany. Right next to Westeros. And yeah, Germany, and yes. Germany in Poland. Yes. Yes. And Hitler passed uh, my grandparents by one day. They were in an alley. And you he and was, this he guy, was walking. He was walking dating by. his granddaughter or something. Great granddaughter. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> He's a good machaton. He was powerful. So, but it's, interesting. Saying, it's interesting. It's uh, interesting you mention feminism. We can get to that a bit Malcolm. later. But the yeah. uh, no, cousin Malcolm, go ahead. There were there were. I mean, that's further along in history. We're starting from the beginning, obviously. But feminism was one of the things sociologically that did affect dating in the world in general, not just in the Jewish world. And I guess we'll get to it in a couple minutes. But that it is one of mm-hmm. the things that affected the way that. Shiduchim played out, and the one of the, and it affected the roles of the shadchan in the dating process, also. So, uh, so God was mm-hmm. the first shadchan, and then the most classic example in the Torah of shadchan was Eliezer, who was Abraham's Abraham's servant, and yeah. he asked him to be the go-between in order to set up his son Yitzchak to to get married, his son IJ, if you will. Ah, yes, <laughs> the successful one. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that sound effect. So, and in fact, so the, 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 there is a discussion about the fact that there is a mitzvah to set up people to be a shadchan. And one of the sources, there's two sources. Maybe I should mention that if we're ta- talking about the Torah sources. Mm-hmm. There's two sources for the fact that it's a mitzvah to set people up for marriage. One of them is the fact that the Torah says that there's a mitzvah to follow Hashem's ways, that you should try to emulate God. And so just like God set up, Adam and Chava, so too we should emulate God and try to set up other people. Amen. God also caused a nice, huge flood and murdered oh, hundreds of thousands. So I'm not going to... That's a good I'm question. Not I'm not going I'm I'm to poise. He's clearly off the derech. And I don't know why these... <laughs> I mean, we should follow his these ways. These base Yaakov honeys keep on swiping right to this <laughs> sucker over here. I don't know. Who? I don't know. <laughs> well... Only if the uh, drink to it. Only if if the <laughs> the north gets flooded. The north or Westeros. The king of the north. They flood. Okay, so the Iron Islands. Malcolm. So continue, please. You were saying. Yeah. Well, the other source for the mitzvah of setting up shiduchim, setting up people, is the fact that there's a famous Gemara passage in the Talmud that talks about that after we die, after 120 years, God's going to ask us a number of questions, six questions. And one of those questions is, Asakta were you involved in reproduction? So the standard explanation is, did you reproduce yourself? Did you have children? Mm. But there is a commentary, the Maharsha and that Gemara, that says that what that really means is that we will be asked whether or not we set up people to try to get them married, to try to propagate the world. Mm. So that's one of the other sources for, oh, interesting. Ooh. for setting people up. I didn't know you get credit for that. And that goes back to what time? What what? What that, era? So that was written in the Gemara, which is which was published in 400 Common Era. So that's almost 2,000 years ago. Oh, wow. But that commentary is from the Maharsha, who lived, uh, I think, in the 1500s. Wow. So. And does it speak to the ritual back then? Oh, no. So that's a good doing? question. So when did the actual ritual of a Shadchan yeah. emerge? So the first time that the, that the actual term... Well, the, the term of Shadchan appears in the Gemara a couple times. But it doesn't, right. it doesn't mean in the Gemara the way that we refer to it. So the Gemara says that Rav used to give lashes to anybody who got married without a shadchan. But it doesn't mean a shadchan. But it doesn't mean a shadchan in the way that we use it. If you look at the commentaries, it says that the, that it means <laughs> in a now, now the shadchan gives lashes to people she sets up. <laughs> if you Google that, if you Google that Gemara, there's a discussion like, oh my God, do I have to go through a shadchan or am I going to get lashes? Right. And so if you look, or if you read the commentaries on the Gemara, it doesn't mean. 
asharchen. It means if you get married with no arrangements, without any forethought, because if you get married without thinking about it at all, about what each of you are going to bring to the marriage, specifically it's referring to financial arrangements, which was way more common to negotiate what the dowry was going to be that the girl was going to bring into the marriage and what the guy was going to provide. So if you got married without discussing that ahead of time, then Rav would lash you because that was just irresponsible. So it's like counsel. There was, as long as there was some kind of counsel and guidance uh, to see how those stocks were invested. Yes. And how they can sprout out later. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's interesting that if you look, so the first time the, the, the term Shadchanah actually appears is in the medieval times. It's in the Rishonim, which is mm. around the year 1200 or 1300. Mm. So you might ask, and I'll, I'll quickly say what, what happened in the time of the Gemara and the times of the Talmud, which was like a large chunk of history. And so we find a few hints. I wasn't fi- able to find anybody that ex- explicitly addresses this, but I think that we can kind of build a picture based on one or two passages in the Gemara. So one of them is the fact that we're told that the girls used to go out in white dresses and dance and try to attract men on a couple days a year. It says that Yom Kippur and Tuba Av were two, two days of the year that were considered the most joyous days of the year. And the reason why was because the women used to get dressed up in white and specifically everybody wore white so that we wouldn't be able to differentiate between who came from a wealthy family and who came from a less successful family financially. And mm-hmm. basically everybody would look the same and then the men would go out and pick their wives. So it seems like Sharchanim were not necessarily involved in the times of the Gemara, interestingly. And so what changed? So what happened was around 1200, 1300 or so, the Rishonim, the medieval scholars, rabbis, start to talk about Sharchans. And so why did Sharchans start to begin in those days? So I think that there were a few factors. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, what do you think? Because they wanted to make single people very unhappy with their lives. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Mm. Avery, you want to guess one? Was it because the Inquisition? I'm kidding, no. No, maybe. Was it because of the influence of... Oh, it's because they well, they hate their family and <laughs> uh, need to let it out. No, and, that's uh, just... Poor, innocent, beautiful, yeah. and good-looking, handsome men from New York. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Actually, you. the Inquisition was not a bad guess. So the part of the reason was because in those days, people started to get married younger. So... In the time of the Gemara, we know that the Mishnah Perkiavu says that when should you get married? What do we know? How old is a person when uh, they reach the age of marriage? 18. 18. Uh, nine. Okay. 18, right? It Eight. says... No, no. Ben no that's why she denied you. She was nine. Come on. <laughs> she, I, I waited. I wanted an older woman. So I, it was, she was 16. Oh, sorry. I got to be wise about it 100%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, go ahead. It says Ben Yudches Lechopa in Perkiavu. So people... seems mm. like people waited till 18... And even though there seems to be that, it's a discussion if there's a mitzvah to get married or not. We don't have to get into that now, but basically... Just to be, to have the actual Kedushin process. Yeah. Right? The mitzvah they say is only Puravu. Yeah, so some say it's only Puravu, some say there's an actual I mean, isn't it obvious, married. right, if there is a mitzvah or not? It's a mitzvah to get married, right? There's a mitzvah to have children, and you're not allowed to have children unless you're married. So what... Yeah, I mean, everyone agrees to that. It's, a, it's more of a technical discussion if right. technically, when do you fulfill, is there a mitzvah just to have kids, or is mm-hmm. there, or is the, the like prerequisite also a mitzvah but Ooh, everyone agrees that the goal yeah. is also to have kids yeah that is a good point i so, think avery wants a heter for something <laughs> well anyway. the rambam has already given said his piece uh, oh, <laughs> i'm kidding oh, now a piece anyway okay that's it i did we're done my 60 <laughs> buttons here and that's it avery yes all right you were saying wow this Continue, is interesting Malcolm. stuff i'm happy that mm-hmm. I reached out to you. I'm happy you reached out to me too. I've been a long time listener on this podcast. Well, thank you. And uh, very we, we enjoy you listening. 
I enjoy listening. Did you buy anything our sponsors paid, advertised, or everything, right? Listen. So back in the year 1200 or 1300, oh, right? so children's people started getting married younger. Right? Yeah, not. so there were a few factors that I think led to Shadchan becoming more prominent. So one yeah. of them was the marriage age. So I read this paper by some Jewish sociologist that said that a high percentage, close to 25%, maybe more, of Jewish marriages in those days, and at least in in France, Germany, that type of that region, maybe Eastern Europe as well, got married around the girls would get married around the age twelve and a half, and the boys would also get married around the age thirteen. Mm. Wow. So it was around puberty. People get were getting married super young. And was that happening in the secular world as well? And it that wasn't was just the Jewish. So it was. Culture. It was mainly. It was more so the Jewish culture. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And so there's a question among sociologists why that was the case. One of the reasons it has to do with anti-Semitism, because Jews were a minority in Europe, and there was a lot of anti-Semitism. So obviously getting married younger and having kids sooner and growing the Jewish population as quickly as possible mm-hmm. would address the anti-Semitism question because the more Jews, the more, the bigger our army, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that That's was one, why we got married. That yeah. was one of the reasons they got married. Yeah. And you know, it's, the, the motivations the more for we'd marriage be able really to take over. over uh, continue, I'm sorry. sorry. I had sorry. a horrible line to say. Continue. Well, I'm curious continue. what it was. Well, I was just the more. Take over what? <laughs> Another January 6th joke. No, it wasn't January 6th. <laughs> Come on. Take over the world. Take over man. the monarchy yeah, in Britain and do their taxes. But that's <laughs> what we did, not, though. We did well dead. with that. I think my teacher in high school told us that Henry the, that King Henry was Jewish, but I'm pretty sure he made that up because it was a Jewish high school. He just wanted us to think everyone they, was Jewish. Probably. Right, yeah, yeah. Obviously. Now, now Rosa Parks. I don't even care. Now it's <laughs> you're telling me, oh, well, you know what? Uh, that's why I can't watch television with with my with old people anymore. it's terrible rosa parks i'll jewish. watch i'll watch Obviously. tv with them and they'll go oh yeah uh, jewish mm. so they are big deal yeah more reason for anti-semitism yeah totally. it's worse that my grandmother points out she doesn't even care if she just points out black that's her thing <laughs> it's like black crazy. on tv right. black jewish asian uh, uh, that's it. how much you're, you're watching age Bobby, if you're, you're watching dating. BET. Come on, of course you're going to see Bobby. <laughs> if you're shit dating for Happen. so many years. I know. You're going to see. You're going to see Jews. Yeah. That's all right, there's our comedic take on that. All right. Thank you. So, can, so where were yes. we? So, so what, now, the, we, what, yeah, what, what, where are we? What year are so we? So now we're still in the 1200s, 1300s. We're talking about okay. why yeah. Shadchanim emerged. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I think, it seems based on the reading that I did, was because of the age that people were getting married. Another reason is because the financial obligations were getting more complicated. So... For example, so and part of that was influenced by the non-Jewish world. Mm. So women started to have a little bit more freedom in the in those time, and so women started to get a little bit. More, I mean, feminism wasn't until hundreds of years later, but mm. women at the time right. did start to get a little bit more involved in business. Yeah, and because of that, yeah, decrees were made. It was the, it was common in the secular world, so the Jewish world kind of had to catch up, and so that kind of affected halacha in a sense at the time. So Rabbeinu Tam, who was one of the rabbis, I think he lived in France. And That's why the ruble tanked back then, right? Because the women got involved in business. <laughs> No, First of all, you, till the thespian era, thespian, everyone, yeah. thes, not lesbian, thespian, thespian, when, when uh, people PM. would act, they were actors. Mm-hmm. Thespians were actors. That's where the word lesbian comes from. But, Is that uh, right? Yeah. I don't know. Thespian. That's with a P. Because one of my favorite movies is called Shakespeare in Love. And they talk about that time. I don't know when it was. I think it was a little after the yeah. middle, middle, medieval times. And that's kind of, like, I guess, when the feminisms maybe could have started. But I'll get back to you on that. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Interesting. So the other and is my so, findings. 
So because of the fact that women were getting more involved, finance mm -hmm. became more complicated. So before, even from the Gomara's time, people did have negotiations. Like I said, Rav would lash people if they didn't have financial, if they come to a, didn't come to a financial agreement before they got married. That was always part of Judaism, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But in the medieval times, it became a little bit more complicated because women, not only did they have the dowry that their father would give them, they would also be out doing business on their own. So Rabbeinu Tam, for example, at the time, he lived in, I think, the 1200s, around France, made a decree that if the woman would die within 18 months after a marriage took place, the man would have to return the dowry to her family, as opposed to before Rabbeinu Tam's decree where the man would be able to just keep it for himself. So that's just one example of the fact that, that finances became more complicated and more intricate at that time. So there was a lot of things to discuss before the wedding. But besides the fact that a couple has to get together and they have to like each other, also they had to make sure they were in agreement about all the financial arrangements. And also they were young kids, so they weren't able to speak for themselves as much. And so therefore, mm. Shad Khanim started to get involved on the, on the scene. Mm, I love it. Mm. So let's let's jump. Let's. I want to hold. This let's, is hold let's hold to this way. point. I love that. Let's maybe now talk a little bit more about some recent histories and migrations, yeah. and, and then we'll come back to this. So we have a little bit more. Skipping a whole you know? generation. I was, but we'll come back to it. You got to mix things up. Not in terms of time, it's chronology. It, well, current, you oh you don't you how I met your mother. They 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 jump back and forth. This one and that and the Witcher. Yeah, they go like that that this year and that year and then they. Hold the door. Hold the door. Oh, right. No, so I'm saying I, should, we should diversify a little know. bit in the storyline. Uh, Avery? It's up to you. Remember, I'll, I'll tell you something how, interesting. Yeah, how much, how much is, is left until you get to modern day? Uh, two steps. I was going to skip till the 1700s, then skip to the 1900s. No, we don't want you to skip. We want you to take as much time as you need. If we need three parts on this... Avery's doing nothing. He can edit everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You hear that, Avery? Up to you, Malcolm. Whatever you feel comfortable. Well, I wanted to jump in. I just wanted to say, so half the episode is going to be about history on Shabbat. You're doing a great job. We're also going to discuss the, the great singles migration. Uh -huh. So we'll, we'll wait. We'll yeah. wait. It all does we'll connect, wait. by the way. Yeah. yeah. We'll wait to connect. Malk, go. I'm, I'm going to make a pledge. I'm not going to interrupt. For two minutes, Avery. All right, join me in on this inter I'm interruption in. pledge. I'm in. I'm in. Puppy. Okay, that was it. Go. Okay, so I mean, we're we're almost caught up to history, honestly. So oh, you could take take a, take a long time. Okay, I'll speak <laughs> extra slow. So <laughs> make it as as embellish embellishing as possible. Now, so it's interesting how things that were going on in the general world affected the Jewish world, and that uh, in effect of affected in effect, I think with an A. Oh, no, in with effect. an E, affected mm -hmm. with an A, or also E, I don't know, never know. A is like rarely both. used. Yeah. Affect. Yeah. It's pretty much, this, both E's. this affects that. That's, that's barely the only time it's used. Oh, is that right? Okay. I have I affection. Think, I think effect is, is used more when it comes to time. Effect. Like, effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the effects of a generation. So these are both E's, I believe. Yeah. Okay. You broke your pledge. So did you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so yeah. what happened was, essentially the, <laughs> the question became, why, why were people getting married? So a lot of the focus at the time was just simply keeping the Jewish people going, which obviously after the Holocaust that came mm -hmm. into play again, people just wanted to make sure that 
the people, the people, Jewish people would continue, and so people would kind of just marry the first person they saw after the Holocaust. That was kind of a common thing. Yeah. But if we step, take a step back in history, in the 1700s, something interesting occurred, which was that novels started to become published. And so novels discuss romance and love and Ooh. the type of relationship that we kind of associate with today that's very common in Hollywood, where you just fall your head over heels over someone and you fall in love. And that's your motivation to get married. You don't just mm. want someone who's going to take over your father's business. You want someone that you actually care about and you enjoy talking to. Mm. But that, that concept is relatively new. We take that for granted, but that actually is a fairly new concept. And it could kind of find its roots in the 1700s when novels started to become published and widespread throughout Western Europe. Wow. So you're saying that, that these, these novels, this was the original medium that exacerbated... No, that... that, that caused the exacerbation not not the not like that there was a problem already happening correct yeah Ooh, so interesting this I, caused- I could hear that i i could res- i i can absolutely accept that and be like yeah i'm i'm it's a problem and obviously that would develop into to television totally and it did right and you know and now tiktok and before facebook and then myspace and then me just showing up in front of your lawn Peeking through your window. I like the blue couch. <laughs> God, we should have we should drink every episode. <laughs> I am. Yeah, and by the way, before Shadchanim, it wasn't as if people were going out. Okay, the Gemara talks about that people would go out and find a wife on Tubav and Yom Kippur, but mm-hmm. arranged marriages were not only common in the Jewish world; they were also common in the in the general world. It was yeah. not until this, I was going to say, like, think Fiddler on, Fiddler on the Roof. Like, Fiddler on the Roof, what was that guy's name? Yenta, right? Or Tevi, Tevi. yeah, yeah. Tevi and Yenta, and he sent up his kids. Oh, that's right, yeah. And yeah. So not so, everything was just kismet. That was late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken? I think so, yeah. It was, like, during the Soviet uprising. Was that late 1800s? I that was no World War I, so. I. Yeah, that was before World before War Before World War One. Yeah, World War One was War another. Era. Yeah, it was World like, War One was another thing that greatly affected the dating world, not only Jewish but also non-Jewish. Tell me more. Yeah. So how did that affect? So we're about up to there. So we had novels in the 1700s, and then we had another major event that affected dating was the Enlightenment, which affected oh, yeah. Eastern Europe as well. So the Enlightenment, France, yeah, was yeah. something that directly was targeting Jews and a specific, specifically Orthodox Jews. And the goal of the Enlightenment movement was to bring more secularism and to bring more worldliness into the Orthodox world that was a little bit, could be defined as closed-minded and perhaps just wanted to study Torah or things like that. And they wanted to bring, like for exa- the famous example is in the Velazhenor Yeshiva where they wanted to bring secular studies into the Yeshiva wow. and things like that. So what particulars, what type of, like liberal arts or yeah, it was history, a lot of liberal math, arts. It was a lot of uh, just, I think all that. I think all those things. But one of the things that they focused on was romance and love, and it, and mm-hmm. they were upset about the fact that Orthodox Jews or Jews in general were not valuing love and romance as a prerequisite to marriage. Hasn't changed much, but yeah, yeah, that itself is an interesting. My friend, I don't know if I could quote him by name in this. Everyone should have a nickname, right? He's got a, yeah, obviously your should, friend. Should let's, I quote him by nickname? Let's call him Jihadi John Buttercup. So my friend Buttercup had had an interesting <laughs> under he, he pointed out something good, which is that in the Torah it says that before on this topic of loving someone before you marry them. So it says that Yaakov married Rachel and it says that he loved her. The Torah says that he loved her before he married her. And it says that Yitzchak married Rivka and it says that he didn't love her till after he married her. So we find both examples. We find both paradigms in the Torah. 
And my friend pointed out he had an idea that the difference between the two of them was that Yit- that Yitzchak, who only loved her afterwards, met her very briefly. They pretty much didn't date. She came riding on the camel. He, he was head over heels immediately. They got married. So they pretty much dated like Haredi style. Mm. Whereas when it comes to Yaakov... Like how Avery dates. <laughs> I like them on the camel. They, they, mm-hmm. put them, they put them up. It looks nice. They, oh, it's man. like high heels of yeah. those days. Yeah. Sometimes they and look they like the camel. they have to make Avery... Dog looks, a dog looks like its owner. Girl looks like camel. Could be an issue, but <laughs> we work it out. We work it out. A little hump there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank please, you. people, people, please, please, please. Yes. Good. Yeah, that was Yitzhak. And when it came to Yaakov, it says that he loved her before he married her. And we know that Yaakov did. We know that there's a famous idea that love is equated to giving. So the more you give to somebody, the more you fall in love with them. And I think we all know there's definitely truth to that. And so Yaakov, he, there's, the Torah records all of these things that he did before he married her. He worked for her for seven years, actually 14 years, because he was tricked. And he rolled the stone off the well, and I think the Midrash says that he fed her sheep. He so did. He did so much. He did a lot of giving, so he fell in love with her, according to my friend's idea, at least that before Ooh, he... Like that. And mm. so, so we find both paradigms of falling in love before and after, but the thing that I found interesting in the things that I was reading was that love affected the Jewish world as well. So... First of all, the novel came out in the 1700s. And then something else happened, which was World War One. Fast forward to 19... What was it? World War One, 1914 to 1918. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. like 1910. Yeah, you're, you're on. And so if you follow the historical mm-hmm. timeline, something interesting happened, which was that essentially we became more independent as individuals. So as opposed to like in the med- medieval times where people were getting married when they were, especially Jews, like we said, were getting married when they were like <laughs> just reaching the age of puberty. Around World War One, people were... Getting married later, that was the norm. But people were also more independent in the sense that people were soldiers. Like if somebody goes to the army when they're 18 or younger because they're drafted, because they're, there's a world war going on, and then they mm-hmm. come home from war, and then their parents like, we have this shidduch idea for you. What do you think? Yeah. Come on, I just fought. I, mm-hmm. I cared an M16 or the equivalent of those times. You want me to listen to your suggestion? I feel like I'm able to be independent. So mm-hmm. independence definitely emerged more after the wake of world war one so i see where this is going and that and that led to (laughs) certainly a change in the role of shadchanim because whereas if you compare the middle ages where the medieval times where the shadchanim were dealing with 13 year olds and they were dealing with finance tricky financial situations Mm -hmm. and they were dealing with a paradigm where love and romance wasn't something that people were focusing on fast forward to the 1900s people were interested in love and romance and people were independent and making their own money and people were not as dependent on their parents. Yeah. So, relative, right? This is all relative to the Jewish world. Compared to the secular oh, world, yeah. it's not even, you can't even compare. Like people still lived off well, their parents' similar. businesses. Well, it's probably and, similar, similar, situ- similar things, I'd say. Similar. Yeah. yeah. At that point. Like think of America. You don't even have to look at America. Think of just any nation then. Marriages were arranged. They're wealthy, powerful families. They put people together and... I'm sure not. I'm sure there was more often than, 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 than none that people fell in love with the barista making probably, coffee in Italy and the, these two families. Probably more so in Europe because Europe had that monarch, monarchical monarchy system set up yeah, at the time. Yeah, right. Especially. Yeah. So. Well, but even in America, I'm sure it could have happened. But yeah. ooh, anyway, I don't yeah. know too much about it. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna give my opine view oh, as yeah. if it's fact. But yeah. Well, there's not that much recorded history. <laughs> it's because, just speculation. 
But there, there is some recorded history about Sigmund Freud lived in in Germany. Oh, see. And so I happened to find I found something about his son and how he met his wife. Oh wow! And they were in Vienna in Austria. Right. So his son he was he was Jewish, but Sigmund Freud was Jewish. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. Jew. I don't think he was Orthodox, but I think he had, did have some traditions. Really? Um, and so it says that his wife. The person who he ended up marrying, so he was really against the shidduch. So his wife, <laughs> his wife was this girl who came from. He his, so his son's name was Martin Freund, and Martin, he, huh? he ended up marrying this girl named SD Drucker. Drucker, I don't know. Oh, they have to be Jewish, right? Mm. SD sounds pretty. Yeah. So SD SD came from this wealthy family. And Sigmund Freud did not have a lot of money, even though he was famous, and you would think that he did at the oh, time. No, yes. yeah, and no. he was the he was also a pioneer. So pioneers are usually not so popular in uh, their time, not so loved in their time, at least. Mm. So Sigmund Freud wasn't the most beloved person. People thought that it was weird that he was analyzing people. And Mike, uh, Malk, I want to tell you the most imperative thing you can know about Sigmund Freud, probably paramount to anything else that you can know about him, was that he smoked nineteen cigars a day. Is that right? Yeah, nineteen. Yeah. And he, he did die of throat cancer, but that's 19 a day. That's a lot of cigars. He must have spent like 10 hours a day smoking cigars. He smoked the whole day. That mm. was common courtesy back then. Did his patients smoke? Did he allow them? I have no idea. As long as they got on his couch. It's he interesting. Didn't he didn't realize like yeah. the effects of nicotine or all this stuff, just like the mind. But uh, who knows? Huh. Tell us more about him. So 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 he basically, so he had a machatainist uh, yeah, and he was against Drucker, the Shidduch. The Druckers. So his, so his son was a soldier in World War I, and his soon-to-be daughter-in-law, who he opposed the Shidduch, was also, she was a very bright girl. She came from a wealthy, successful family, and she wanted to go to university, but her parents were against it because she thought, they thought that she would meet a lot of men in college, and they were like, you don't want to be meeting a lot of men. You're going to get a bad reputation. So they forbade her from going to college. <clears throat> so she ended up being coming a nurse and she helped out with the war effort and she met Martin Freund at Freud not Freud Freud, Freud yeah. at a at a soldier party which while he was on <clears throat> off while he was on leave he went to one of these parties and she met him there and they hit it off and he was 28 at the time she was 22 and the whole shit took a couple of years, but there are records, historical records of both of their parents objecting to it. Her parents objected to it because wow, they, they didn't like that he was a psychiatrist. And they thought, if you know his theories, he's, mm-hmm. he, he's all about how psychologically we're always thinking about sexual things and every, yeah. all our oh, drives yeah. are sexual. Oh, yeah. So they thought that, that, was, that he was like a prostitute, that he talked about <laughs> these things. Primarily with, uh, with the mother. And I'm sure the mother-in-law yeah. doesn't like that, did not like that. She did not. No. And Estee's Esti, no. parents were against it. Be, that's why her parents were, and he was against it because she came from a wealthy family. So he thought that she was too spoiled for him and she wasn't going to appreciate her son. She was just after money and she wouldn't appreciate the fact that he was a good guy. She wasn't prioritizing the right Pretty way. Rep- right. Yeah. Repugnant against wealthy people, I guess. Yes. Oh. Freud became. <laughs> so both of the parents objected. So nonetheless, they ended up getting married, but it does. It says that actually. That they- was the first Freudian slip. When they got there. Was, he <laughs> messed good, up. Yeah. He screwed up. I'm going to get married. And at the end of the day, they did, it says that they didn't have such a happy marriage because their parents were actually right about it because she was, she did grow up with a really extravagant lifestyle that her husband, Martin, was not able to provide. So they didn't get divorced. They got separated at a certain point. But anyways, the, the point of the story is that it highlights the fact that after World War I, people started to become more independent and they didn't listen to what their parents were saying necessarily about their objectives to their marriage partner choices. Mm. So it's not something new is what you're saying. Yeah, parents were always Not trying to get involved. New. 
parents are always yeah. even Freud, the master of mental health psychology, didn't <laughs> want his kids to know. What does well, that I think say? he's a master of psychology. I don't think well, he was a master ma- of mental, mental health. psychology, right? The great, so the just, great intellect of our. He was time. just able to point stuff out, like you have a problem, right? You have this is why you do this. Yes, um, he didn't give you any help, but I guess that's some sort of defense. We'll have our our, our therapist, mental health listeners in the audience can 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 contact us <laughs> so that was the end of the world war one era now heading into world war two right yeah so now we get into the later 1900s so so one of the so 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 but all these changes carry over so rav moshe feinstein let's fair forward to rav moshe feinstein who lives from the late 1800s till the late 1900s mm-hmm. so he, write, he he writes about he, he actually was actually asked about shadchanim nowadays so the story goes that it's in one of his books. So the story goes that this young man who just got engaged came into the office of Rav Moshe Feinstein with his, with his fiance. And he says, tells Rav Moshe Feinstein, hey, you know how we met? We met through a shadchan. And Rav Moshe Feinstein said, obviously you met through a shadchan. What are you? What are you? Immodest? You, th- you find your own wife? You don't meet through a shadchan? Mm. And Ramosha continued. Okay, so that's one. Of, so what we, we, well, we can glean from that already, I'll tell you the other half of the story. But from the first half of the story, we can glean that in Rav Moshe's view, part of the role of a shadchan is to protect modesty or to prevent, like, I don't know, what's the word, licentiousness or like mixing between the sexes too much. Mm-hmm. So he thought that from that angle, it's proper maybe to use a shadchan. But he also said that, he pointed out that the role of a shadchan has changed from what it was in Europe of yesteryear to what it is today. Because he says in Europe, right, they right. used to have to do a lot of negotiations and it used to be that they, when were when was the Model T invented? Like early 1900s. So cars weren't invented. Travel was a lot harder. And so the Sharchanim had a really difficult job. They had to travel. They had to have a great database. They had to know people. Wow. And, that's pretty crazy. And so he says that that's why, you know, part of the reason... The Shadchan, whole comport of the Sharchan changed. Like the, the their whole process, the, the whole purpose, sounds like. Exactly. Yeah, I think so. Like, the purpose, you're saying that yeah. then the Sharchan's role, the Sharchanit, was there, was there even a Sharchanit? I don't know. You'll tell me. But it was was like a business person in a way. Yeah, it was. <laughs> the Sharchanit is right. an interesting question. Like they too. had to travel on a horse. They had to, they had to peep, know people in the community. Like yeah. you ever see the Django Unchained when, when they come into the town and... He, the, the, the German guy happens to be German, pretty apropos. But like this guy, Jenny, owns the place and he just knows people. So that's what the Shadchan, that's what the Shadchanit had to do. Hello, I am Miriam Esther von Strudelheim and Goldstein. And here is my warrant. I mean, Shidduch, like the whole, the whole thing they do in the show. Go watch the show. <laughs> the Django. Avery loved it. It's on Netflix. It wasn't on Netflix? I don't know. Yes. Yes, let's yes. prop up. <laughs> we did not watch it on. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, and that's an interesting point that you brought up about Sharchanit, because it's also brought down in the in the literature that historically, generally, who would serve as the Sharchan? It would generally be a Talmud Chacham. It would generally be an especially wise, right, per, an especially right. wise person. And why was that? Because the role of a Sharchan was not only to negotiate the finances; it was also to try to convince the people. I mean, which. I, in, at least in my experience, I've definitely tried to be convinced by some shadchans to continue. I've said no, and the shadchan has said, yeah. what do you mean? Give it another chance. How do you know? And they try to convince you or whatever they tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They're right. not wrong in that sense where you're not supposed to love or romance. Just, 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 just 
find out if there's really nothing bad with her and just marry her. Yeah. Like, I, I hear that. I hear that. I mean, if that, but that's not how it works today. And also, it seems like shady, in my opinion, to try to convince someone to marry someone else. Is that a good foundation for a marriage they, if look, you're they, talked they, into it? Maybe. I don't know. They collect the, the shadchanes. And as long as you stay married for at least 12 months, there's, no, there's a guarantee to keep it. True. That's how it works. There's something to it. And yep. so they, the, there is a phrase that's thrown around that Sharchan, that Sharchan stands for the Hebrew phrase of Sheker Dover. Shark, oh, Sheker that. Dover speaks false. And Har Mekabel. I don't know. I have to the reward is accepted. Yeah, they get money. They lie and they take money. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Can you believe this? Wait a second. Wait a second. You need to tell me a Shadchan stands like for Sheker, Dover, Chilaf, whatever you said. Yeah. Okay, people, you just heard it from... from and where's the, what's the known? Cousin Rabbi Malcolm. The known is no. This is crazy. The known as a prefix means no, right? That's a low. Doesn't known as a prefix mean not in the yeah. Hebrew definition? Yeah. Even though it's a suffix. So, oh, hey, yeah. right. sorry. I, meant, I said it wrong. Sheker, Dover, Kesef, Notel. Kesef, hey, that's much Sheker, better. Dover, it's a, it's a, it's a Kesef, Notel. I would have Shot told one. y'all. <laughs> Notel I knew. means accept. Yo. Right? And I work yeah. for Nutel. So, but I don't want to misrepresent Shadchanim because Shadchanim were always greatly respected because at the end of the day, they're doing this great mitzvah. Like we said, it is a mitzvah. Mm. And... They do. We are. We do gain a lot from them in the sense that they have a network that we wouldn't have access. We wouldn't really have access to as many people if not for Shadchanim. They just happen to know lots and lots of girls that are in. Well, it's really interesting what you're mentioning because think about this: there are revolutions in life, right? We call them in, in terms of the world, in terms of the, the colloquial world and the perspective of the world. They're revolutions. So you have the industrial revolution. You have the internet revolution right you have anything could technically be a revolution right so you just kind of segment it into whichever the premise or the parenthetical aspect is in this situation you were just mentioning that shad Khanim were like traveling business people before which is crazy like that's that's a revolution right there that's one revolution there before that they were who knows what now you're saying that they changed, right? They then ended up becoming more into the finances, more like financial managers, right? And now look where we are today. They're, they're, they're WhatsApp group coordinators. Networkers. That way it's correct, right? Yeah. They're, like, they're marketers. I mean, they're, they're marketing executives. That's what they are. Yeah, that's a great summary. That that's basically the history. Very, yeah. such an interesting look, way to look at it, to delve, to, like, to delve into that. Like just, wow, that's pretty crazy. So, per, you know, pretty much, yeah, it's like, it's in a way, it's like a lamented word. It, 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 it's what they used to do does not exist anymore. That's how it used to be. And it's, it's, a, it's just changing in time. Totally. You know, now, they're, they're, last two years ago, they were Zoom video producers. <laughs> yes, Avery. And someone shot mm-hmm. you in a Zoom behind the alley. They, sh- they did a Zoom video. It was not a Shadchan. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Shadchanhub.com, sponsor. Oh, I, I, I don't know what that is. What is that? <laughs> like, we should actually buy that domain. We should yeah. buy that. Shadchan Hub. Continue. Shadchan. 
Dot <laughs> XXX. I love it. Okay. Viewer discretion is advised. A great right. time to shout out your store, Michal. Style and Trend. Please shop it. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode has been sponsored by <laughs> Style and Trend out in Lakewood, New Jersey. Right. They have some of the most top women's fashion trends, styles. Get your tops, get your bottoms, get IJ your gets hats. His tops there. What else? <laughs> shoes. They no, no, no. Accessories. Beanies. We got jewelry. Okay, they all the fashionable Instagram brands. Mention nobody talks to Dokum and get a discount. Yes, exactly. 10% off. Mention, okay, we should do that for real. NTS10 for 10% off. That's NTS10. Tell Michal, Avery, IJ, and Tommy sent you. Awesome. Go ahead. Yeah, so nowadays, if we bring it fast forward to nowadays, so take into account all the things that we mentioned. Nowadays, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with a culture which in which the reality is that we want to fall in love with people before we marry them, at least in the, let's say, the modern Orthodox community or maybe the religious Zionist community, if you're talking about the Israeli population. Yeah. We're talking about the fact that people are more independent. We're talking about the fact that people are getting married later on in life. We're no longer 13 when we're getting married. We're 20s, 30s We're later. 33. You could be in your 30s. It's uh, Yeah, and so because of that... You get married a few times. If you take the Shadchan from the medieval period, who is talking, who is trying to set up two, a couple of thirteen-year-olds, a thirteen-year-old boy with a twelve-year-old girl, I would lock him up. You know, whose who is main consideration was, will the girl's fa- father's finances stay in the family? Is the guy going to be competent? It's a totally different question nowadays. And so, oh one could argue that the role of a Shadchan has changed from primarily somebody who travels and tries to negotiate and a negotiator to somebody who. Yeah, they try to convince the parties, but mainly what they have is a network. And usually a network's a big thing, right? Network is one of the big things that a shadchan provides. <clears throat> Another thing that a shadchan nowadays provides is like social knowledge. So so a lot, a lot of times they'll they'll give you tips about like where to go on a date or uh, mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. or maybe. I don't know. I think nowadays this is pro- for sure a new thing where the fact that you go on the, the standard that you go on three dates through the Shadchan and then you like break, break Shadchan. You break Shadchan, yeah. yeah well, that- I, that's where I wanted to jump in. So, because I did a little research myself, I interviewed some. I interviewed Professor Dr. Mora Pastor, whatever. I did my research, okay? And I, I would like to pick it up a bit about. The 70s and 80s. So in the 70s and 80s, you basically had three hushkafas in America. And I can only talk about America, but we, there was a very limiting hushkafa throughout the world. It was just people were literally like reform slash conservative. They were basically conservative, really conservative, actually. They were Yeshiva University, YU, and then they were... Like Chaim Berlin, they were Chaim Berlin. They were, they were, I guess, like Haredi Chaim Berlin. Everyone knows what it means. And obviously, you had Hasidish, but Hasidim are not in, in Shaduchim, so that's why they just have a b'shel. So here you are in the seventies and eighties. Most of American Jewry, they're coming over from Europe. They're coming over from whatever other countries, right? A lot of more the Svartic people out there ended up in Canada. Plenty of Ashkenazim from from Europe went to Canada as well. But they're basically coming into America, 70s, 80s, 90s, but that's already six. So before that, I'm sorry, you're, they're coming over in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. 
So now you have our parents' generation, and most of most most literally ninety percent did one of three things. They got set up through a shadchan and stayed that kind of from, or they did it through friends and did it through just the other. And then the last part was they did it through single socializing through Jewish communities. Now, what does that mean, the last one? The first was pretty easy. Believe it or not, rabbis from shuls, from shuls, from rabbis, or quote-unquote whatever, I don't know. I don't even know how you want to break it down, but these shuls out there, these Jewish communities, they arrange dances, they arrange get-togethers, they arrange meets. Rav Shalom Karbach. People they used to do the Shlomo Karbach concert and people used to go. People, young, like us singles. Well, not us now, but people would go. And they would meet people. Two places that were brought up by several of these, you know, now 50, 60, 70 year old people. They told me that a lot of them would go to this place called Grossinger's in the Catskills. People would <coughs> travel upstate to the Catskills, just like that show. <coughs> what was that movie with Detective Lenny Briscoe from Law & Order? Dancing something. Maybe, what was the movie called? Dancing in the Dark. No, no, the dancing with... Dancing lobsters. Lenny dancing. Briscoe. <coughs> they go to the Lenny. Catskills. It's like the whole movie. Dan Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing, obviously. Dirty dancing. That was your parents, people. Those are your parents. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm coming over a cold. <clears throat> so, that's how people met. They would go upstate. They would go to Farakaway. Hello. Farakaway used to be a beach. People. Farakaway was not like this community where it is now with people and things. Farakaway was a beach. People would go to a beach. It was a beach town. Because Long Beach was... Or Lawrence or Long Beach, one of the two was like for the wealthy people and for the, for the the immigrant Jews at the time from Europe, they would go and they would go over to Farakaway and they would spend there. Also in the city, a big place, a big spot where our parents' generation and, and this generation who was dating in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, let's say, well, they would go to this place called Schmilke Bernstein's. Schmilke Bernstein's. Avery. Schmilke Bernstein's. Welcome, we have Schmilka Avery Bernsteins. Schmilka Bernsteins was a big spot. People used to go, go ask, go ask. Am I, am Malk, you've ever been there? I've heard of it. We've heard of it. I mean, it's probably, I think it's closed. I don't think it's still open. And that's kind of where people would, that, that's what would happen. And look, one thing I can, I can envy from that time, I could, I could really have respect for. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly inspired by it. I'm, I'm. I'm not, I don't think there were any missteps or blunder at the time by them doing it, as many, as many divorces as maybe there were that came out of it. <laughs> but Rabbanim, community leaders, would take initiatives in the shuls. And that was like where people met. And we just don't have that now. We just don't have a place where you meet people in shul anymore. It's just not where it was. And that's how people used to meet, these community goings, community activities. Now, I think it's picking up. I think we're we're right. Like certainly, it's been going on. It hasn't gone away, but it's just becoming. I feel like the girls are just with social media. It's just becoming more normal to be able to be able to go out 
to be able to you post on Instagram. People have been posting on social media for years now, and it's just it's they become they kind of become like numb to it or a more positive outlook at it. You know what? My older sister did that. My cousin did that. My friend did that. And that 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 girl down the block. So I could go to these parties. I could go to these singles events. Schmilke Bernstein's Grossinger's 2022. We should do an event. Avery, you gonna do an event at Grossinger's with the Schmelka Bernstein's? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what your point is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, you, uh, so that's basically a little bit of a history, a most recent history. Okay. On how dating was, how dating was. Now, I think there are a few big major things to to have in mind. First of all. First of all, first of all that, second of all that, third of all, we don't live in small towns anymore. We don't. We live in a globalist society. Everyone listening to this podcast, everyone on this podcast, you grew up down the block. The guy was from Belgium. The, the, the woman across the street was from Israel. The, the guy in your shul was from Br Great Britain. Your neighbor's cousin who got invited, who stayed, was from Uganda. We're living in such a globalized world now. Times of Mashiach. Now, like we can do it now. You can fly anywhere, video, etc., etc. So that, I don't think, I, that has to be factored in. That the globalization aspect, the fact that it's not just a small town anymore, we're, we're, we're global. There, there's so much out there and it's so tough to connect with someone or relate to someone or build something or get out of your own head or get out of your own methods and ways, methodologies, idiosyncrasies. So all of this kind of leads us into here, we're in a shit of crisis, la, 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 la. Makes sense, Malcolm? Totally, yeah. Maybe you could argue that dating apps are the modern-day shadchan, in a sense. I love that, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm sure there was like one shot for the guy who founded J-Swipe or, or Why You Connects or Saw You at Sinai. That's one shadchan has the whole monopoly over there. Yeah, does <laughs> does J-Swipe charge a shidduch fee? I don't know. Yeah, no, you have to pay. You have to pay per month. Mm -hmm. Listen to our episode. 68, I think, that dating app. Or 58, 58. Episode 58, that dating app. We have uh, all the information on that one. But yeah, so the, you could definitely certainly look at it like that. Also, remember, I, like we're also, we're also, like you just mentioned, uh, Cousin Malcolm. We've been going through revolutions. And I hate to watch like another HBO, Netflix documentary on we're the kids of the revolution, this, one, this movement, that movement. But we actually have lived through a major change in, sh in the shidduch world, in shidduch culture, in shidduchim. It's called technology. It's called social media. It's called yeah, WhatsApp. Totally. Really just the forms of communication. And that has drastically changed everything. Because you could find out information like this from wrong sources Communicate quick, get as many resumes in, get as, get as much inventory in, and that's, that's really 
bitter. It's it's bitter. It's 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 not as efficacious as you'd think it would be. It's more consumer than it has been in the fact in the past. Yeah, uh, I'll disagree. I guess to an extent. Now, if we take it back to the beginning, to our disagree. beginning of our conversation, I do enjoy being the contrarian in life. Yeah, sure. But if we go back to the beginning yeah. conversation we had at the start of the podcast, I don't think anything has changed throughout history for the Jews in terms of dating from where we are today. And there's really no difference from where we were before. It's all about one thing, and that's Puravu, right? Having kids and producing Jewish children. And that's number one, first and foremost, on Shadchan's mind, whether that's in the 1700s when they were nine or 10 years old or 11 or till today, right? We're just trying to propagate and continue our Jewish culture, continue to live and survive, right, as a nation as much as we can. And the, the terminologies have definitely changed, but what's most important to today's right. success is finances, money, right? So what does Shachanim ask today? Not necessarily how much a child is worth in terms of their marriage, but how much does the kid make? What's his earning potential, Right. Is he going to be a lawyer? Is he going to be a doctor? Not much has changed. What has changed? The resume (laughs) is about your earning potential per se. Okay. Does he have mental health problems? Well, that's something else that has been added. That's an element that's been added since we have higher education than we did three or 400 years ago. But physical health, right? They say in terms of psychology, looks and your physical prowess in some ways are sometimes correlated to how successful you are in life, right? So- yeah, maybe looking for a a better than average looking partner has more to do with that than it does us being shallow and that. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on that? I saw some research about that. About the so so they studied. There was a thirty year study from the forties till from the late nineteen forties till the late nineteen seventies about awesome. about. So they studied ads that people were putting in the newspaper. They, had, they used to have singles ads. I, maybe they have it now. I tried to fi- find some nowadays. I couldn't find any, but I think they still have singles ads in the New York Times. I don't know. I tried to find some. Couldn't. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those. But yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, I post them in my room. I have oh, plenty right? of pictures. I, I, like, <laughs> I like to look at them every now and then. Well, all these pictures in his room of yeah. him. I, oh man, and that's so, <laughs> right there. There's been studies in both Jewish Jewish papers and non-Jewish. This study that I saw was from Jewish newspapers. And so, again, starting from the late 1940s to the late 1970s. And they focus on what were the things that people advertised in their ads, trying to present themselves and hoping to get noticed by a potential spouse. So they noticed that two things became less popular to advertise and three things became more popular to advertise. So the things that became less popular were occupation, I think this study ended in the 1970s. Maybe it became more popular nowadays, but occupation, I think most people say nowadays on the shidduch resume what they do, but that became Mm -hmm. less popular over those, that 30 year period. Uh, Also, they used to mention what their father did professionally. Oh, us too. And they know they stopped mentioning that by the late 1970s. That Mm -hmm. has also come back. Oh yeah. But character, personality, looks, beauty, education. (laughs) Those are all things that people started to mention more where they stopped, they mentioned finances less and character, <coughs> beauty, and education more. So it's a, I, I like your point that at the end of the day, the goal is the same. Peru, Revu, continue the Jewish nation. That is, I think that's, at the end of the day, that is the ultimate goal. But how do people decide who they want to Peru Revu with mm. has, been affected, has yeah. been affected in the sense that people care more about looks and people care more about personality and romance 
and also education, apparently, than they used to in the past. Right. So we streamlined this way of this filter, uh, this way of filtering through the many different people we have in our community, right? Through the resume system, like mm-hmm. Isaac, I think, mentioned and started to bring up, and we sort of touched on it, but our parents' generation, mm-hmm. Isaac and I, the Schmelke Bernstein generation, like you said, didn't have resumes. We didn't have that process. <laughs> they didn't have to go through that process, right? So yeah. people nowadays obviously lament and talk down upon the resume process as if this is the worst thing that has come to the Jewish nation, the Jewish world. But people say it's been successful, right? There is success with the system. There is success in finding matches. You know, I don't know that there is another way for the from community to find matches without that. Right, we're not having, we are not having shotgunim like we did in the 1900s and 1800s. Go out and search people because people can pretty much make a phone call and find out who somebody is. Like you look them up on Instagram, everybody's information has become public. Uh, even our Supreme Court justices, unfortunately or fortunately, however you view, uh, everybody's information is public nowadays. So you know it's become so much easier to streamline the process of looking for your spouse. Yeah. Uh, whether that's good or bad, uh, it's be, to be determined. You know, like my opinion is sort of like to each their own. Everybody has their way of dating and, and do what's best for them. Many people are, you know, best in a system. Many people flourish in systems. Um, you know, and other people need that independence and that individuality to go search and find find their wife and go upon a journey. You know, such as the people who travel to the United States and, you know, take that, that route, the more Americanized, uh, individualized route. Interesting. Yeah. There's read something about the fact that in the medieval period, when people were getting married a lot younger, like around puberty age, there's zero, like zero literature about older singles, about this, uh, about the phenomenon of people, you know, like not catching their wife, not catching their husband in time. And, Mm-hmm. And like moving to the Upper West Side or something, and <laughs> because they, they, yeah. because they would marry twelve year old. I mean, like my neighbor growing up was a was a uh, an old Persian Sultan. <laughs> I, I love it. Like he was, you know, he was. You know, one time I was walking with my sister, and he's being wheeled in his wheelchair by you know like ten of his grandchildren, and we're just wheeling him. And uh, I'm walking with my sister, and we're walking back home, and he's on his way to, to shul. And I see him in the corner of my eye, I whisper into one of his, grand, his oldest grandson's ear. And the grandson comes over and says, My grandfather will, 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 demands your presence. You know, all of a sudden, like this Persian yeshivish guy, kid from five towns, is already has, has like a British accent. And I said, yes, absolutely. And I, and I come over to him and he goes, when will you be married? And I'm like, oh, I'm a young guy. He's like, before I am dead, please. And like just these demands he would say. But anyway, I did get to know him at some point and he actually got married. His wife was like 14 when she got married. And it's pretty cool now because her... She has. She's a great, great, great grandmother. She's a great, great grandmother. Wow. So it's pretty cool to, to to see that. I'm like, what? Like, it's crazy. Like, the her daughter is like a few years older than my parents, and 
Her, her, she's a great grandmother. I have a cousin like that who she moved to Hebron. She was one of the original settlers of Hebron. I think she got married when she was <laughs> fifteen. Her son got her. Her kids got married when she was. Yeah, they were yeah, fifteen. She, when she was sixty, she had great great grandchildren. <laughs> wow! Oh my God, Avery, you want to be a great? You want to be a great grandfather? Any interest in that? I may already be. People, <laughs> how I do we know? That? How do we know? How do we know? I do. <laughs> They're running the earth. Look around for little kids with this face. Look around for little kids. I want to go. Little I wanna, angry. Little angry Avery. Little angry <laughs> bastards of Avrith. Yes. <laughs> At the end of the day, the business of Shaduchim is business, period, period, period. Let's get into the second part. And Malcolm, obviously, you have some great stuff. So if you want to continue, you know, I'd love to hear more. But <coughs> I want to get to the great singles migration, <laughs> you know. Where do singles end up? Where do they go? Everyone remembers Aunt Sally and Uncle Harry Year twenty years ago, growing up, they just show up by, you know, Hanukkah dinner or or or, or Christmas breakfast. Now we need to celebrate Christmas, but yeah, they'd show up at these Passover seder, Pesach seder, the Sedarim, and <clears throat> they'd just show up and they'd see him and you'd wave hi and 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 you know you just you'd like you knew they weren't married like there was you know you just everyone had an uncle's Harry and Sally, but now. Every like everyone is an uncle Harry and Aunt Sally. Like everyone's single. Like it's until you find a feels like more people are single than there are married people. And finally, we're taking over. Um, but in that sense, yeah. But in that sense, that that's how that's how I grew up thinking and seeing where where were these people? You know, where, where did they go? So. Tell us, like, I lived in the Upper West Side, right? You're living there. Yeah. Avery, someone who hasn't, but maybe contemplating. I'm not giving people's plans. I just want to give everyone, our audience, their perspective, you know, of, like, what our experience is with it. Um, yeah, Malcolm, what do, you have to, what do you have to share about this, like, this great singles migration? Yeah. I mean, I think that... You know, it's interesting because, you know, if you grow up in a religious Jewish circle, for sure, the norm is, at least in my case, for sure, like most of my friends, most of my peer group got married in their early 20, <coughs> early 20s, I would say. Mm. So what happens if you're in your, find yourself in your late 20s and you're not yet married? So, you know, it could be potentially a lonely situation where, you know, if you're living in um, where you were living at the time that all of your friends got married and they all moved out because they all got married and moved on. So at the end of the day, you know, human beings are social beings and you still, you know, long in a sense for, uh, to find your spouse, you're still looking for someone. So, you know, so you need social ties, you need a, a social situation. So, you know, it's very common. It's not only the Upper West Side is a common, is like a good example of this, but te- I yeah. think Tel Aviv yeah. and definitely like Rehavia, <laughs> like there are certain communities in the world where people, you know, like find, I don't know, like comfort's kind of maybe like a negative way to look at it. It's like, oh, I'm like coping with being single. So I need comfort. I need a social community. Yeah. You know, in a social sen- community. In yeah. a sense that what it, that's what it is. Maybe that's a negative way to look at it. But, you know, at the end of the day, human beings are social beings. And there's an interesting like philosophical discussion is about why we're, why we're social beings. Yeah. You know, some say because at the end of the day, all people are, we're all one like that. 
I think what is that a Buddhist idea? But it's also a Jewish idea. Mm. If you look at Kabbalah, Adam, yeah. we're all we all all our neshamas come from Adam Rishon. We're all we're all one. There is some commonality. We're we all, all the Talmud Malokim. We're all in. We're all a. We're all a. Uh, what's the word? Homogenous species. Uh, an expression. Yeah. An expression of Hashem. Yeah. Right. So we're all connected, and so we we're, we are social beings at the mm. end of the day. So we want to be around people. So. You know, it makes sense that there's going to be such a concept of a migration where people want to be around other people and people want to ultimately find their spouse. You know, you can't spend your entire life just if you're single thinking about a spouse Then the fact that you're single, it's just pretty depressing to think about all the time. But, um, you know, but you still want social ties. You still want an active and exciting and happy life. And so it's better to be around other people than to be, uh, you know, in isolation. Yeah. Do you think, Michael, uh, Malcolm, sorry. <laughs> Nobody listened to what I just said. <laughs> there goes your shit of chances. Um, Malcolm, <laughs> do you think the Torah may have it wrong? The Torah may be putting too much, placing too much of an emphasis on marriage at 18, right? This is yesteryear. This is, this is archaic thinking. This is old school, uh, you know, European drivel, I guess, back in the day. Like some people will say, like, why are we listening to the words of, ancient people who don't live in our times are, who are essentially writing their own novels of Torah. I'm not calling it fiction, but a novel, an interpretation of what future generations should be doing based off of the times of yesteryear, uh, especially in those days and, and placing such an emphasis, right, on marriage and dating as like a certain age. Isn't that somewhat nonsensical? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that I mean this is my own personal thought. I'm, yeah. I'm not speaking yeah, for the Torah or anything I'm, like that. Yeah, I'm asking your personal. But opinion. I think that I mean so there is a there's a question actually in the the rabbis the Achronim talk about why is it that the Mishnah says that you get married when you're 18? I thought mitzvahs kick in when you're 13. If there's a mitzvah to have kids, why does it say 18? Right. So the answer that the, they give is because you need a few years to figure your life out. You have to figure out what you're going to do for your living. You have to figure out what your direction is in life. So I think that yeah, if you yeah. fast forward till 2022, when we're recording this episode, mm. you know, people definitely <laughs> take longer to figure out their life. The lifespan nowadays is long, way longer than it has. Make this argument all the time. Yeah. Lifespan. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Always. Yeah. So I think that mm. makes a lot of sense personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some people, we had this discussion. I was at a dinner Friday night few weeks ago and we were talking about this and so one one person said you know that in his social circle which i think all of us can relate to a lot of his friends got married in their young 20s and he said that when he was in his early 20s he didn't know who he was he didn't know what he wanted to do for a living he didn't know like his personality he had he so many have questions enough existential crisis yet, <laughs> yeah you know? i mean that was my experience too honestly and i think that probably a lot of people could relate to that and i wonder I haven't had this discussion with many people that got married young, but I wonder if they also had those questions, but they got married nonetheless and just figured it out. But I do think that the concept of figuring yourself out before getting married makes sense and is not against the Torah. Mm, we go back to Yitzchak and Yaakov, right? Finding, learning to love somebody, like your friend's mm-hmm. argument, mm-hmm. your friend's take. Learning to love somebody. Can you just get married? Learn to love the person you're with. Not really worry so much about dating and falling in love beforehand. You know, it comes back to that same argument. Yeah, I think you could. But I think it's also true that at the end of the day, like in a sense, this question is irrelevant in a sense because Mm -hmm. 
like probably all of us have been trying to get married. I don't know if trying is the right word, but have been dating at least like on and off. And so, and at that same time, at least I could speak personally that mm -hmm. I've sometimes questioned, should I get married now or should I figure more things out first? But at the, you know, like there, I feel like there's always more to figure out. And at every stage of life, you have more questions and more decisions to make. Yep. So there is one ingredient that's applicable here is the concept of hashgacha pratis and the fact that if people that haven't met the person that they want to marry yet, there's a reason for that. And so I, I don't think that people have to feel bad if they're older and if their friends are married already and they feel like they're behind in life. I think it's important and not stressed and not spoken about enough that we shouldn't feel bad about ourselves. People shouldn't feel bad about themselves if they're not at the same timeline as their peers in, t in terms of like when they're having kids and when they're getting married. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, who runs the world? The people that are married, the, the friends or anybody that we may be comparing ourselves to are not running the world. Hashem is running the world. God is running the world. If you believe in God, assuming our listeners that Speaking for myself, believe yeah, in God. They're religious. I Ninety-nine promise. percent do. We have one. Uh, yeah. We have I don't one. Know what the demographic is, but there's one. Yeah, about. you, you, you don't believe in him. <laughs> Avery? No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. He does. He doesn't. If he gave me four more inches, I would be. <laughs> I would believe. There's sur there surgeries to fix this. I'm anyway, so, I'm I'm not Malcolm. There is, not a about there is the Tesla theory that if if we all bought Teslas, we'd be married within the year. But let's test it out. I love Isaac, that, you Malk. start. I love that. I wanted to just focus actually on this major, major tale, this this major part of modern Shidduch history, but maybe just a tiny fragment when you look at it as a whole. And I want to take you back. The year was 2007. Up until 2007... The Jewish world, the modern Jewish world, the, the from Jewish world, every, everyone in the Orthodox umbrella kind of got into this rhythm where people started to go to Eretz Yisrael. This story is called the Great Shidduch Crisis of 2008. And you'll kind of, it might percolate some thoughts because you're going to realize, oh wait, 2008, what happened in 2008? Financial crisis. They're related. Wait. So basically what happened was until 2008 the, the, the what what basically happened was people went to high school right you got married you had kids you sent your kids on yeshiva and then they started going to Israel this Israel thing was was not something so big before 2008 it wasn't like originally it was for kids who got kicked out of high school in the 60s 70s 80s 90s they got kicked out of high school they couldn't get into college because of drugs. They got kicked out of drugs, so they would go to Israel. They would go to OJ. They would go to Nevada. Like these, these schools that like were so old. I don't know whatever the girls' ones were, but these schools. <clears throat> and because my uncles, well, not my uncles, but people I know went. Avery's, maybe Avery's uncle. They went. So anyway, all of a sudden, it, it picked up. Picked up for about 10, 15, 20 years of this new trend where you would send people for a gap year, for a gap year. And all of a sudden, you had Jewish colleges like Torah, 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 Torah College, at Torah College, Yeshiva University, that said, oh, you know what, we can offer a competitive advantage here. What we'll do is we'll, we'll accept a, a, 
uh, a, a year abroad. And that's where we could differentiate between like a regular college and us. So this became very popular. Now, what would happen is, is that Bachrum would come back. A lot of them would stay flipped out, be Rebbeim, and now we have our whole, well, we have all the Rebbeim from those years, from those days there. The rest of them would stay there. The rest of them would come back, and what would they do? They would learn in yeshiva. They would learn in yeshiva most of the day. They would take a few credits, and they would start shidduch dating. So up until 2008, you had people come back, they go eat work, they go learn, they take some night classes, and they started shidduch dating. Very simple formula here. And after the shidduch dated, well, once they got engaged, married, what would happen? They would get married. They would start working. They'd work, and it's easy. You worked, and it was just very easy. Or people would start finish yeshiva. They'd work. They'd be yeshiva. They whatever. There was some kind of balance. Two thousand and eight comes, and this financial crisis—the worst recession we've ever had in this country, one of the worst financial recessions in the world, throughout history. Might be overselling that, but wipes this wipes this out. You have. 20 to 30-year-old men who are learning or they're, in co- they're learning or they're working or both and now saying, oh my God, there's no job, there's no money, I can't be in yeshiva because all the, all the rich, all the, what would they call, not younger men, but the balabas, the balabasim, the balabatim can't afford it. So yeshiva's over. There's no jobs in the market. So what did these guys do? They said, you know what? We're going to go to college. We're going to go to college. We'll hang out. College was cheap, people. I know everyone out there thinks like college was expensive. It's always been, it, it was cheap back then. So people, so especially Jews from Shidduch daters started going in to universities and, and, and staying longer. Master's degree, continued education, doctoral degrees, et cetera, et cetera. And now the girls were having a problem because you had this whole generation of girls, 20, 21, 19, 22, and then some older girls who couldn't marry or couldn't date guys who were around their age. Because what happened, they, they, went, they went back to school. They could, there was no jobs. There was no funding. There was no money. People don't realize how serious this this recession was in 2008 and it just changed the shit it just changed the shit system forever there's a whole generation of girls out there of of that age bracket that got looked over because a guy who has to go back to school 25 is going to say you know what maybe i'll take a younger girl who's not going to be so on top of me about that or let me take this i just feel very insecure i think i'm going to go for a younger girl or they met in college or they needed a girl who was working and making money. So all of a sudden, this is where like the start of the crazy big shidduch crisis began. Like Robert's Rebellion from Game of Thrones. So that's a little, a little time frame I wanted to focus in on. Very interesting. Okay. Very keen. Not extraordinaire shidduch historians such as myself. Shidstorians. As myself, know this story. Would you? Would you homeschool yeah. Avery? I know you're like so close to that in your life right now. Oh yeah, I'm. It's like 
Shidduch dating, where you're sending your kids to school. You're yeah. still in it. What number date do you talk about where you send your kids to school? What number? Is that covered? Uh, we discuss it, obviously, before we start dating. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, a parameter. Yeah. There are parameters to dating. We have to know what kid. <laughs> Avery loves discussing his malarkey. And his tomfoolery. And his tom cutlery. Sometimes it's better when you just leave a space after he speaks. Just leave it blank. Because <laughs> there's nothing. You can't say anything. You can't. There's no way to combat or to compliment. <laughs> okay. All right. We're doing We this. like listening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I wanted to know if we had a little bit, anything else to, to go through before we get to the next part of, of the program. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Not from my end. All right. So... Well, we, we thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I appreciate uh, people coming on, and we're going to get to our closing right after this. Are you on Shirk Date Burnout? Getting some anxiety or just need someone to talk to about all those DMs and WhatsApps? Ahuva Shandelman is a licensed psychotherapist and the founder of Holy Shid. She treats clients with care, empathy, and a ton of shit. Ahuva can be reached anywhere as she treats clients virtually and is also based in Rockland County for office hours. She can be contacted if you're interested via email, ahuvashandleman at gmail.com or DM her on Insta at holy two underscores shit. IJ and Avery love her. You will too. It was another one in the books, people. I have Cousin Malcolm here with Cousin Avery. Six, our, our sixth cousin, Avery. Second cousin to sixth cousin. And this has been episode 74, <laughs> History on Shidduch Dating and the Great Singles Migration. Malcolm, where could people find you? They could find me through where, us, wherever through us. books are sold. No, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, they're basically the same thing. Avery, any, any, any closing notes for our guests? People, people want to hear from you. They do not. Well, you, you haven't been posting on the social media Instagram account. I mean, what's going on over there? Well, I've been told that the cat is out of the bag. The end is near. <laughs> I'm not talking about Mashiach, but the end of the podcast. You, so you requested it. I find the concept of posting on a now-to-be-defunct <laughs> podcast Instagram somewhat useless. Anyway. No, I'm kidding. But... Oh no! Don't, don't uh, this I know, guy over here. I'm bringing in. I'm bringing in the tears. Yeah. Anyway, appreciate having everyone on. Happy face, smiley face, silly face. This is the Nobody Talk Shidduchim podcast. Alchi's Media Network.